Philippians chapter 3. And the verse we'll be looking at from last week is uh, verse 5, but let's start at verse 1 just to put it together. Verse 1 says this. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Who knows that the word of God is safe? Verse 2. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Verse 4. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Then verse 5. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, Concerning the law, a Pharisee. Last week we started to look at the seven items or seven um, ideas that Paul thought would give him, in some ways, brownie points before God. He thought these were his assets before God. When he approaches, when he approaches God, he thought these seven items were his. Um, assets. We looked at the first one, which was uh, circumcised the eighth day. And then the second one was, um, he declared that he was of the stock of Israel. Now, remember verse 4, Paul made the point that when it comes to confidence in the flesh, he had an outstanding outstanding religious career. He put his confidence over, um, over the years before he met Christ Jesus. He put his confidence in the things that he had achieved. The things that he knew the law. He knew these things. So he thought these things. He had confidence in, the, in these things. He believed that these things were, would impress God. But when he met the Savior, Jesus Christ, he actually found that these things that he was believing himself to be um, brownie points before, before God were actually liabilities. So we continue looking at these seven points. The first, as I said, was um, circumcised the eighth day. Second was the stock of Israel. Then today the third one says he's of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, Benjamin was one of the 12 tribes in Israel. When the tribes split, Benjamin stayed with Judah in the south. The temple was located in Judah. The only tribe that was loyal was little Benjamin, the smallest of all the tribes. It was in Romans um, 11 where he says, I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I am also an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. 
Paul was proud of his heritage. He knew where he came from. He knew Benjamin was one of the smallest tribes, yet one of the loyal tribes. This was the pride of the family, as it were. This, he was proud where he came from. He was proud of it. And they see there's nothing wrong with being proud of where you come from, with your family background. But it is another notion to think that this amasses or accumulates brownie points with God. So you can be brought up in a Christian household, your mom, your dad serving Christ Jesus, faithfully, hard as it were. You are a child who's growing up and you watch and you kind of just engage in church life. It's wonderful to be exposed to those things. But it does not mean that you also serve Christ. It doesn't mean that you are saved just because you have been brought up in a Christian household. Paul believed that because he was part of the Benjamin tribe, he was an asset before God. I wonder how many of us have grown up in church circles. How many of us believe because our parents have brought us into church? We grew up, I mean, in, in my speaking with people, I've heard people say, no, no, I'm a Christian because I was born in a Christian household. Who knows that that's not true? You need a personal relationship with Je- this King Jesus that we sang about this morning. Family connections will not gain God's approval over your life. Simply said, family connections will not gain God's approval over your life. In the world, in the Christian context, in in some ways, the, the argument runs like this. If I accumulate enough points with God, then God will be under obligation to accept me into heaven. Or he'll be under obligation to bless me. Because I've accumulated, I'm doing the things that are Christian-like, that are supposed to be pleasing toward him. And therefore, he should accept me. He should actually bless me. No problem should be found in my path because I follow him. If I accumulate all these things, if I take all these boxes, then actually... God is obligated to me, to you. Can you imagine that? Our, our, our thought our pattern. The creator of the universe. How can we even think that he is obligated to us? If we do this, then he will do that. Can I say that we have to be careful of this trade-like mentality? You don't trade with God. Let's be careful of that. This is what Paul was like before he met Christ. He thought because he was from the tribe of Benjamin, he could trade. This was an asset. I come from a good stock. I come from a good family. Therefore, God must accept me. He later learned that that was actually not the truth. It was actually a liability in his life. The fourth point is that Paul says he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. This point um, 
he was convinced, he convinced himself that it actually commended him before God. Like the other three points. So he thought, because he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, his ancestry actually commended him before God. Because of the lineage where he comes from, he was commended before God. He could stand before God and say, oh, but I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Actually, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Therefore, you should um, uh, accept me. You should allow me. Paul had no Gentile blood in him at all. Both his father and his mother were full-blooded Jews. He came from a long line of pure Hebrew stock. Sounds like a cow, like cattle. Uh. Second Corinthians verse 11 says this, are, you, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. When it came to his background, Paul, Paul's background, he had the credentials in the world. He fitted the box. He followed. It was, it was a picture-perfect scenario, picture-perfect situation. He came from this place. In itself, there's nothing wrong with ancestry. We should be proud of our family lines. We should be proud of our family tree. Can I just say this? God chose your ancestry. He chose your lineage. He chose your line. My dear friends, you had no choice in the matter. He chose that you will be born of your family, that lineage, that line. He chose that. He chose that. And I know sometimes we may wonder, well, why in the world do I come am I from this stock of this family? Why is my lineage this way? Why am I in this family? Why? It's a good question. Sometimes. But can I answer it this way? And say, why are you from this lineage? Why are you in your... Why is your, are you part of this family? Why did God decide that you will be a son or daughter to your mom and dad, your grandparents? And so, Can I answer it in this way? And say that... We will never know the answer as to why God chose that. But what we do know is that God in his wisdom and his mercy chose your lineage. He chose your ancestry for his good purpose and for his glory. I don't understand. I've made this statement before. As you would all know, um, I was born in Kenya. I found myself in this beautiful country. And I'm in the business world. 
I often use this. I'm sorry if you've heard this story, but uh, you'll, hear, you'll hear it again. Forgive me. But in the business world in, in uh, 2024, three, in 2023, in South Africa, BEE is a major factor. It's a major factor. So being black, Kenyan, uh, you know, I thought, well, then I would fit into this mold. But guess what? I am as politically correct, as white as you <laughs> on paper. Now I can ask the question, God, why? Why wasn't I born in this country? Why wasn't my name Sipo Gumende? Why? Because I would benefit from this BE criteria. But in God's wisdom and in God's uh, mercy, he has decided the lineage. He has decided why I, he gave me to be uh, my parents to be my parents. He decided that I'll be born in Kenya. He decided that I'll be, I'll come to this country when I was 11 years old. He has decided, he has paved the way for, for me. And he has done the same for you. And notice I said in his wisdom, but not only in his wisdom, in his mercy. In his mercy. Why? For his good purpose. Because he has a purpose for you and I, which brings pleasure to him, but also brings pleasure to us and benefits us. We feel fulfilled when we are walking in, in, the, in, the, in the path that God has chosen for us. But of course the world comes and throws all sorts of questions. Well, you should be this or you should be that. Why are you part of that? Why aren't you walking this way? But you need to find where God has called you to walk and walk it proudly. Can I also say that it is not good enough. It's not good enough for you and I to use our lineage, to use our ancestry, to even use our uh, lot in life now where you are at, what's going on, the challenges, the victories, uh, more so the difficulties. It is not good enough for you to use that as an excuse not to serve Jesus Christ. And I know that there are difficulties in this world. I know that. There are challenges that we are faced with every day. But it still is not an excuse for you, born again believer, son and daughter of the most high, to hide behind those excuses, those circumstances, and say, I will not serve him. You hide away from him. You run away from him. Jonah, remember Jonah running away from him, from God? God sent a fish to swallow him. God was committed to seeing his purpose come to pass in his wisdom and his mercy. Have you ever, have you read that story? Have you, I sometimes wonder, you know, why did God go through all that effort so that Jonah can fulfill his purpose on earth for the sake of the people of Nineveh, for God's glory? Why? God could have just decided, okay, you don't want to follow my leading and what have you. Strike dead, cheers, next person. He could have done that. He's God Almighty. But in his mercy, he chose to still pursue Jonah. In his mercy, I wonder if he's pursuing you this morning. 
I wonder what's going on. I wonder what, where you're at. Are you running away? Are you hiding? Or are you actually following him? Are you allowing him to lead you and guide you and, 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 and show you the way forward? Remember that all of these things, this life that he's given us is a gift. He has, as um, Ephesians 10 says, he has gone ahead and prepared good works for you and I to walk into. Are you walking into the, in, in, those, in that good work? It, the, the whole, we only see in part the word says, we will see th- things completely in time to come. But where do you find yourself? And what do I say is not an excuse. I say this because God sidesteps ancestry. God sidesteps lineage. God sidesteps um, our environment, our circumstances. He sidesteps all those things based on the principle of pure, unadulterated grace. Based on his pure grace. He will sidestep all these things based on his grace. And this is the only way that you and I can find acceptance with God. And God is merciful. God is gracious. God is loving. He is all of those things. But at the same time, God is just. But I just love His mercy. That whilst I was still um, a sinner, uh, I I was running away from Him. He pursued me. He reached out to me. He reached out to you and I. Even when I denied him, yet he still pursued me. Are we okay? So your ancestry, your lineage, where you come from, your family, all of that stuff, you had no choice. The only choice that you had was the person you married, right? Right? The person you married, that was the only time that you kind of had a choice, you know, But your children did not have a choice. They come from you. (laughs) It is not their choice. But they find themselves in this family tree. Just like when your parents made their choice, you came out of them and therefore you had no choice. But God in his amazing tree, the, the spectrum of life that he's given us, he has decided that your parents are you going to be your best, uh, the best parents for you. And in fact, you as parents are the best parents for your kids. Best parents for your kids. We have examined the four accomplishments. These are uh, assets. These were items that Paul Hall held uh, as, a, as an asset in his life. Paul imagined at one time that all these things commended him to God. He could stand before God and be proud. Now, let's turn to the fifth, boast before before God. Number five, he says, concerning the law, a Pharisee. When when you hear the word Pharisee, your, your, your hairs kind of stand up. Ladies, not so much you, but the, the guys, the, 
head on the back of your head. Can I stand up? Pharisee. See, just to understand that there were two wings of religious leaders in Judaism. So the commentators say there were the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And apparently, well not apparently, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. They did not believe in the resurrection. And today the descendants of the Sadducees are liberal religionists of our day. The Pharisees, on the other hand, were sticklers for religion, where Paul came from. Their religion was orthodox, but rigidly so. No group transcended their self-righteousness. They were the ultimate legalist. Simply said, the Pharisees had a rule for everything. If you wanted to do something, they had a rule for that. There was something, there was a system that they created for that. Based on the Old Testament law, they had a rule for, they were just sticklers for rules. And see, these two groups were rivals for dominance in um, Judaism. Paul knew this. He knew this. He even quoted um, this, this rival that was between the Sadducees and the, and the Pharisees in Acts 23, verse 6. When he was in court, he said this, But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in, um, in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee. Proud. I am a Pharisee. The son of a Pharisee. Concerning the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am being judged. Paul took advantage of a long-term, um, long-standing debate between the two groups of people. A raging debate ensued thereafter. And he said he's a Pharisee. And so, when he had said this, a dissension arose between the two groups, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. Paul used that the history for, to his advantage. The assembly was divide, divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection and no angel or spirit. But the Pharisees confess both in Acts 23. Paul came out of the, uh, a, a um, orthodoxy. He came from a conservative theological background. He knew legalism to the core. He knew it. He understood its fallacies or its misconceptions and its weaknesses. And on, in this verse, verse 5, um, the the phrase concerning the law means according to the norms or standards of the law. When it came to the laws of Judaism, Paul kept them religiously. He followed them to the T. 
And that's why I could stand so proud before God and say, I have followed. I am, I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm from the, a, the tribe of Benjamin. I, I, he could quote all these things because he was proud. And aside from that, he followed the rules, the regulations. Circumcised on the eighth day, he followed the, the, the Old Testament law. He was confident in his religious regulations. This man, Paul, was confident in his race, Israel, in his family tree, Benjamin, in his patriotism, Hebrew of Hebrews, he says. He was confident in his religion. Now, you might ask, why do I mention these things about Paul? Why do I say these things? Why do I mention these facts, you might ask? And it is to simply highlight that religion is a false basis of confidence because religion rests upon the accomplishments of man. So your accomplishments, your tick boxes, remember I mentioned um, uh, legalism, we tend to on the sides of legalism out of a place of religion. You want to tick those boxes. Accomplishment of man is what religion promotes. See, the Pharisees went to the synagogue three times a day and prayed seven times a day. Surely God would stand before them and say, you have ticked those boxes and therefore I accept you. Therefore I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that because you have done this out of religion. The truth is that religious rights do not impress God. In fact, religion itself does not make an impression to God. Religion in itself does not make an impression toward God. Approbation or acceptance with God comes only through Jesus Christ. Only through this Savior, this King that we sang about this morning. Why do we elevate His name? Why do we sing about Him? Because He is the truth and the life. He is the only way to the Father. He is commended on our behalf by the Father. And you see, only a vital relationship to God through Jesus Christ gets the attention of God. Your relationship, your heart stickler relationship towards God by yourself, aside from Christ, counts for nothing, can I say. Counts for nothing. You see, part of the problem is that we have pride. Humans have pride. Christians have pride. I have pride. And that pride believes that we impress God via something that we do. So the things that we do in the religious context, we believe it impresses God in our, from our own place of strength. It seeks to circumvent Jesus Christ. Trust is actually placed in a human mode of operation, not in divine provision.
And the truth is this. We gain God's approval only by God's grace. You don't gain God's approval with your own grace and your own doing and your own efforts and your own religious ways, your own tick boxes. You don't gain God's, God's approval. You gain God's approval through Jesus Christ. So how is your relationship with Jesus Christ? Not how is your relationship with the church. In fact, can I even ask, can I even say, not how is your relationship with fellow brethren? How is your relationship with Jesus Christ? You see, confidence in religion displaces dependence upon God's grace. Confidence in religion puts it on us. We can do it. We will tick those, those boxes. Paul, I have done all. I come from a, a lineage. I, I've got all these items that I'm promoting. I can stand before God and be confident before him. Side steps God's grace over your life. So in conclusion... I leave us with these three questions. And as I ask them, can I ask us just to think? Maybe I should pause after every question. Just to think about these questions. When we understand the difference between religion that we kind of fall into versus the grace God allows us to walk in. The first question I ask, do you believe your religion or spirituality impresses God? Number one, do you believe your religion or spirituality impresses God? I'm going to pause for a couple of seconds. I just want that to sink in. Just let that question be in the back of your background, in the back of your mind. Do you believe your religion or your spirituality impresses God? Second question I leave us with this morning is do you rest on what you have done in your religious conquest or quest? Do you rest on what you have done as over against what Jesus Christ has done for you to gain? the approbation of God. Do you rest on what you have done or over against what Jesus Christ has done for you to gain the approbation or acceptance from God? And then the third and final question 
is this. Today where you find yourself, are you working very hard to still try and gain God's acceptance? Are you working very hard in your religious upbringing, in your legalism, in your legalistic way of, ah, in your Christian understanding? Are you working very hard to gain God's acceptance? I'm going to answer that for, on your behalf. Question number three. Are you working very hard? Can I answer uh, and say that if you are, it is absolutely futile. It is completely futile. The only person who can earn God's approval is Jesus Christ. Not you. It's Jesus Christ. But remember, Jesus Christ through His Spirit lives in you. And because He lives in you, you are positionally acceptable to God in Christ, as Ephesians 1 to 3 tells us. Before, as we stand now, as we sit, we are accepted. God accepts us. He sees Jesus in us. We already have God's approval. Stop working hard to try to get God's approval. You have it already. I have it already. And we can rest in that. We can rest in that. Father, help us understand this. Help us, Lord, to live in the truth of the fact that we are accepted before you. Show us where we are working hard to try and gain approbation from you. Show us, Father, and help us to change that, to give it back to Christ Jesus. Because before you, when you see Christ in us through your Spirit, you are satisfied. So I thank you for that. I thank you for each one this morning. I thank you, Lord, for, for the works that you're doing in our hearts, in our lives, Lord. I pray, Lord, that there would... And in fact, I thank you, Lord, that your word does say that the work that you have begun in us, you are busy with and you will bring it, bring it to completion. And that's my confidence, God. That's our confidence this morning. So the work that you have started, despite the, the challenges, the ups and downs of, of life, Lord, you are with us. You're, you go before us, you're behind us, you're around us, God, you're everywhere. And you will bring every good work that you have prepared, Lord, to completion. For your good purpose, Holy Spirit, and for your glory. So I bless your holy name this morning. May you have your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.